Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with the big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father hey Len. Irish. So, Father Len, one of the things that we've promised our listeners is that we would regularly take a critical look at religion. This is something you really want to do, rather than say it's all good and this it's all wonderful. Let's take a hard look at it. I'm Irish. We're born critical. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of like what is it? What's good and not so good about it? And uh, y- you've talked about how important it is to question everything. Well, today we have a pretty familiar person, at least to NFL football fans, talking about his good and bad experiences with faith and religion. He's the Green Bay Packers star quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know whether you follow football, Father Len, do you? Just Green Bay. Just Green Go oh, good, good. So the Green Bay Packer fans are going to love us or love you. So anyway, he recently appeared on his girlfriend, race car driver, Danica Patrick's podcast. So I'd like us to listen to what he had to say and uh, have you give us your reaction. And let's start with his not-so-good experiences with faith and church. Sounds great. Most people that I knew, church was just, you just had to go. Your parents made you go, you wake up, you put some clothes on, you go, and you can't wait to get back and watch the second game of the day in the NFL on TV. Church on Sundays was like more, you know, make sure you dress a certain way and don't bring that person, and this person's going to get looked at strangely if they show up. And I think, you know, again, it's very black and white, uh, binary in binary sense, but I don't think it's very welcoming. Uh, rules and regulations and binary systems um, don't really resonate with me. You know, religion can be a crutch, can be a um, can be something that people have to have to make themselves feel better. And because it's set a binary, it's us and them. It's saved and unsaved. It's heaven and hell. It's enlightened and heathen. It's holy and righteous, and sinner, and filthy. And that makes, I think that makes a lot of people feel better about themselves. They say, oh, you know, I have, you know, I got Jesus, and, you know, I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven, and there's only 144,000 of us going, even though there's 7 billion people on the planet. Uh, And, you know, I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet, you know, to a fiery hell. Like what type of loving, sensitive, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of all this? So Father Len, he expresses some pretty serious doubts and critical questions here about God and church and organized religion and you know, I think you probably have. I know I've heard this from other people these days, particularly young people. So kind of give us your reaction to what you heard. Okay, well, first, I actually do think it's always good to be critical. And when I say critical, I don't mean negative. I mean to actually take a sharp look at things. I thought it was a sad interview for this reason. Like he said, you know, he didn't like the fact that religion is binary. It's black and white. It's about rules and regulations. Well, really, that's just calling all religion pharisaical. And Jesus himself. Pharisaical? What is fair? Help me with that uh, one. Pharisaical is being like Pharisees. Oh, Pharisees 
they so loved rules and regulations is that – This is in the Bible. Right. Okay. So Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees. They did take religion serious and that's good. But they took religion that religion is just rules and regulations. And they had so many, they just invented more and more rules and regulations. And they're highly critical of Jesus because Jesus doesn't have that viewpoint of religion. And the Pharisees are particularly angry because he welcomes, he shows hospitality to people who are outside the rules and regulations. And so like shepherds you think shepherds would be loved in the bible but the pharisees hated them because the pharisees had so many rules and regulations there's no way the working shepherds could keep all of them so they were considered uh, less than desirable in the pharisees and the pharisees were incredibly inhospitable and then claimed to be religious so jesus has this huge problem with that and so like he's just basically calling and i think this is the part that i think is unfair he's saying all religion is pharisaical well I'm at least his church his apparently experience. he got this sense that it was all about rules and regulations and, and that's the part i found sad that wow that was his experience of religion that is not my experience of religion. That is not Catholicism. So I think you should be very careful about saying all religion is that way. Well, that is his experience. And the other thing, just on a larger basis, and this more deals with kind of the philosophy of raising kids, and this is more my mother's view. And, you know, my mother was perfect, <laughs> almost. So when I was a little kid, uh, she used to say, listen, when you're a little kid, I give you a lot of rules and regulations, and the consequences are not that severe. But with each year you grow older, there's less rules and regulations, and the consequences are more severe. And what she wanted is us to internalize morally what's right and wrong. If you're 18 and need to be controlled by rules and regulations, morally, you're incredibly immature. Christ preaches the same thing. So I'm not against rules and regulations. It's going to sound like it. Rules and regulations are very good for the immature. And my sister, when she was a school teacher, she used to say, you know how a parent shows love to their kids? And that is by giving them boundaries. That a parent is keeping their eye on their kids saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Nothing's worse than a parent who doesn't pay attention to a kid. Boundaries rules and regulations, shows them that I really care what you're doing. My sister said the other thing is parents that need to be consistent. If you're not consistent with the kids, then the morality turns out to be this ping pong ball. So sadly, really, whatever church he attended, we don't know, they weren't really, I mean, it was obviously a Christian church. He seemed to imply that. But somehow they didn't really preach or talk about religion, faith, I mean, the, the way Jesus approaches it. Like, talk a little bit well, about what okay, the difference so, between what, what the Pharisees with their rules and regulations well, I, I, and, and, and Jesus' approach. Okay, so let me just that example. Nothing is wrong with rules and regulations for the young or the immature. I mean, even religion always starts out that way. Uh, it, parenting starts out that way. But you're hoping that rules and regulations become internalized where 
in your heart, you just know what morally the loving thing to do is. So Jesus uses several examples uh, when he says, come to me, you who are burdens, burdensome and tired. When he says that, uh, and he says, take my yoke upon you for my way is, I'm going to mess up the words, simple. And my yoke is light. The yoke is the law, rules and regulations. Jesus doesn't have a lot of rules and regulations. He has one, love. And it demands courage and creativity and compassion. It takes a lot of things to become a really loving person. But like a good parent, to make your kid loving, you first have to give them a lot of boundaries. And, and to Jesus, just to because the word love, I find, gets like misinterpreted and misdefined and whatever. H- how would Jesus define love when you say that's really his only rule? Well, love, the Greek would be agape unconditional self-sacrificing love love is when you sacrifice yourself so in other words you know selfless yeah selfless when you're when you're thinking about your relationship with other people for example you're as concerned about their well-being as your own or or more so even well i like okay let's take a different analogy like religion for, let me say, religion uses rules and regulations to set people free to the point that they can love freely, self- selflessly. But think of sports is kind of the same way. Like when I was growing up, I was heavily in swimming, swim team. We practiced, you know, two hours in the morning, an hour after school. And in one ways, it was kind of controlling and had all these rules and regulations. You know, you had to get your homework done. You had to be in bed by a certain time. You had to get up at a certain time. A lot of disciplines so that really after a while, like swimming, it sets me free. I went on vacation to Hawaii with some friends and like all the friends, we wanted to go snorkeling, but none of them could swim well. And and I'm not saying, but like, wow, my years of discipline set me free where I can swim in the ocean. So it's not swimming, but with religion, it's selfless love. So as little kids, yeah, we have a lot of rules and regulations, but if it's truly a Christian religion, it's not at the point of being pharisaical of just rules and regulations because even Jesus says, oh, the Pharisees, they're like whitewashed tombs. Looks good on the outside. Not so good on the inside. Inside dead. And so like if that's his experience of religion, my two questions is, well, how old were you? Because if your experience of religion is when you're a little kid – yeah, there's a lot of rules and regulations Yeah, uh, because a good parent gives boundaries. If your experience of religion was just pharisaical, then that is really sad. And he said something else about basically kind of makes this point that all religion is for show, mentions a close aspect. Well, all religion is not for show. That's not been my experience at all in Catholicism. I actually am amazed that – the majority of Catholics I know are really good, selfless people. So many stories after stories of people who uh, – I know a couple. He's a doctor and she got a degree in nursing so that they can go – and they do it frequently – into third world countries and offer medical service. He's a doctor. He could live a very comfortable life. Yeah. And they love to go and help other people. My experience of parishioners is that most of them are really, really selfless. And 
in the Catholic Church, for example, nobody has done more for education and health care and care of the poor than the Catholic Church throughout history. So his experience may have been that religion is just for show, but that's not my experience. The other thing is like in the letter of James, it talks about works, faith without works is dead. You can say you have faith, but if nobody's life is improving by it, it's dead faith. And religion, even from Father Abraham, the very beginning, God says Father Abraham was set in the world to teach the world justice and righteousness. Real religion moves out of rules and regulations to being about living just and righteousness. His experience was that it was pharisaical. At least he makes it sound that way. And even when he mentions clothes, he said, did you notice that part where he says, oh, these people dress up? For yeah, he church. said yeah, you have to dress a certain way or you're not going to be accepted. And, but like, no offense. God bless you, Aaron Rodgers. But did you really think that one out before you said it? Because we are the only species <laughs> that wears clothes. And there's a lot of meaning in clothes. Like I, I, Dressing up for church is not a bad thing. Dressing up for church does not mean that you're pharisaical. Imagine that my question would be, so if you and your girlfriend – went out on St. Valentine's Day uh-huh. and you dressed up, this is important to you, and she shows up and sweats. Wouldn't you say, honey, are you taking this serious? What about if he does get married? Is she going to show up in sweats? Is he going to show up in just shorts and say, I got to be me? You know, you honor the situation. It's a sign of seriousness and respect to other people by dressing up. To say, well, they just dress up for Sunday. That doesn't, that's no offense on him. He's being a little judgmental. Well, you know what I think where that came from is that he he seemed to experience or or feel like the people in his church, part of their religion was that because they were, quote, quote, so religious and such righteous, good people – they uh, they felt good about the fact that they 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 are better than other people, and I, I mean I, he he said that you know throughout it makes the people right. at his church and it made them feel better about themselves if, because if it that, raised yeah. them above other if, people. If that was his experience, that's what I thought was so sad about yeah. his experience of religion. But then again, it also kind of creates a straw man argument. If that's true, then yeah, we should be critical of that. That's a strong sure. You create this argument that you'd be like, yeah, but I, you and I do not know if that was everybody's intention. Yeah, I have no um, idea. It, it was sad. It was sad, but you don't know if that was everybody's intention. So, the, but here's the thing, like he, and then he says, religion is a crutch. I have not found religion to be a crutch on people's low self-esteem, a facade. Just historically, they did this interesting study, you know, slaves in the deep South abused. What got them through was their faith. Now there is a difference between the slave owner's faith and the slave's faith. But to mention somebody who uh, is a slave to say, well, your religion is a crutch. No, it got them through incredible difficult times. And there's a lot of studies on that. Because it gave them hope. Hope that could, is unconquerable. Yes, they have no chance of beating the slave master, but they had a joy that couldn't be touched. And there's so many hundreds throughout 2,000 years of history, examples of what real faith is not a crutch, it's a power. It's yeah, they, really they, a crutch for the slave owner. 
it's a crutch for the slave owner, but it's true power for the slave. The the last thing I'd love to have you address because and he mentioned this and this was kind of the capper for him, I guess. He said, you know, I don't know how you can believe a sensitive, um, um, omnipresent, omnipotent person or or being wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of all this. I know. That's a very sad view of God. You know, that's not the God of the New Testament, not even the God of the Old Testament, truth be known. Uh, If that's his experience of God, I don't know what God he met. That has never been my... Well, it was more... It was kind of packaged in this sense of the people in this church he attended that they they were these special people and that they were the ones that were going to be saved and everybody else isn't, you know? Tough, bad on you, you know, if, if you were as good as us, you're going to be saved. And there's only this small amount of people that are ever going to make it to heaven. Yeah, which, I mean, no offense, that's not a biblical view of God. So I don't know where they got that image of God, but that hasn't been my experience in the Bible or reality of well, a God set, of unconditional love. Set him straight a little bit on that. So, well, so. Set him straight. He's wrong. There you go. <laughs> like, ours is a God of love. It literally says God is love itself. It doesn't say God is loving it says God is love. So everybody can get to heaven then, Fatherland? Well, the gates of heaven, if you notice in Scripture, are open. They're already open. The only problem is you have to walk through. And God creates this free will that if we choose the way of hate, you won't want to be in heaven. It's not really God who doesn't who kicks us out of heaven. It's we who kick ourselves out. C.S. Lewis writes this, and this gets into a much bigger issue, this story about the great divorce, that those from in hell, the gates are open there too. They can leave hell and walk into heaven. They just don't want to be part of it. Or Jesus tells a story of Lazarus and the rich man. The Lazarus, the rich man, can see into heaven and oddly enough, he doesn't want to be part of it. He can see into heaven and he can't get this eye. He can't understand the idea where Abraham and Lazarus are embracing each other. One is has his head on the his head on the heart of the other. That there's love and community there, and he can look at it and not even get what it's about. So, does God throw us into hell, or do we throw ourselves into hell? We believe so powerfully in free will that you know if you choose the way of hate. Then you choose the way of hell. Yeah. If you choose the way of hate, then you yourself won't want to be part of heaven. Got it. Uh, it's God is God. The gates are open. So, Father Len, let's let's go to what seems to be his good experience, his oh. good religious experience. And he talks about, and this is particularly his experience uh, when he was in high school with a Christian youth organization called Young Life. Let's give that a quick listen. I started going to Young Life, and that's where I met Matt Hawk, and Matt was leading our Young Life group there for a while, and he was the first Christian that I met where I was like, man, like, this dude, like, swears every now and then, he loves sports, he, like, coaches sports, he's, like, an, he's an awesome dude, like, he's just a really rad guy to be around. Uh, I kind of like, you know, I don't, the way that he talks about Jesus and the way that he talks about... Um, 
what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Like, that's pretty cool. And Young Life on Monday welcomed everyone. You know, it's like, right. come as you are. Be there at 729. Yep. And, like, be ready for some fun. And it was fun. And we had a great time. So... I enjoyed my time with Young Life. We did some amazing outreach stuff. You know, we went to Mexico during two spring breaks and built houses in like Florida, outside Tijuana, rough areas. You know, we, we erected the, you know, from slab to walls to tar in the roof to stucco on the outside. Like we put together, you know, homes for these folks who were living in, you know, garage door sides, you know, thrown together and stuff. And that was meaningful. You know, that was like really meaningful work. And So give me your thoughts on that, Father Land. Well, the best part about that is that uh, the two best parts I like is that he saw their religious experience of hospitality. And when I say hospitality, that's a really big biblical word. It's in the Gospel of Luke. It's kind of like Jesus' favorite word, yeah, hospitality. He, he, yeah, he said he felt accepted and, and, and welcomed, and where he didn't feel welcomed and whatever in the church, right. quote, church he was so in. That's the difference between belonging and fitting in. The first example he gave about his religion is you have to fit in. That's not true community. True community is born by hospitality, where you have this sense of belonging. So he needs to find a different church, I guess, really. <laughs> well, <laughs> or a different, yeah. a, a different, a different mindset for the church. Anyway, well, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, yeah, I mean, like I, I joke, and I've done a lot of research on this. I've gone to other when I was in school. I'd go to check out other churches, and honest God, you could walk into a church. And there is kind of this cold feeling, like just no sense of belonging. There's a sense of fitting in and forced friendliness, and you can taste the difference. And then there's other places where you walk in, and I don't even know these people, but you have a sense of belonging, community, and hospitality. And my joke is... You know, I've gone to some of these churches and I feel more hospitality in some bar than <laughs> <laughs> the people who are supposed to know the way of hospitality. Yeah. Um, like there's just a sense of community and fitting in and non-judgmental. Yeah, I've now, sensed that in a few bars. Yeah, I've, I've done my research. <laughs> Still doing more I research. I guess, you know, when you're Irish, we've probably <laughs> both done a lot of research in that I, area. I – and yeah, but here's the thing. That's actually the church that Christ – tried to create. The reason why he mentions hospitality in the Gospel of Luke over and over and over again is he just doesn't, Christ never wants people to be just spiritual. I mean, that's the biggest piece of baloney sandwich around. He wants to form a community. He literally repeats, I want to build a church. And the church is supposed to be this place of hospitality. That's why he keeps mentioning it over and over again. And the Pharisees get upset and say, you welcome sinners. And yeah, because that's the nature of God. God what, is welcoming. What really struck me that seemed to have the biggest impression on him was when he and his youth group went to Mexico and started building these houses. That's my second part is his experience of faith was in the good experience was in social justice. Yep. And like another term for social justice, I love the letter of 
St. James, which I just mentioned before, that James, the Apostle James says, if you say you have faith but not works, it's a dead faith. You say you have faith, show me your works. And I don't mean legalistic works. He means the works of love. If you have faith, it's not the works of law that matters. It's the works of love. Faith m moves into this action of love. So that was, a, I'd say, yeah, that was a better experience of religion, that faith is love in action. Yeah, he was, he, he, he experienced love in action. He experienced uh, being a loving person. It was really interesting when he said at the end, he said, uh, that was meaningful, really meaningful work to him. And what he finally says, and this isn't on the, the, what we just heard, he said it caused him to start to learn about other religions. And I'm, he doesn't say what other, he, other means, I guess, other than the church he was in. That aspect that, and that kind of Limited stuff. aspects that he knew. Yeah. And then he also at some point got a chance to meet the Dalai Lama. And what he finally says is these things have put him on, and this is a quote, a fun path to a different type of spirituality, which is more meaningful. And I don't. He doesn't explain yeah, what it, that is. It's more meaningful now. Good for him. I'd say I highly applaud that. But uh, hey, there's he, a but here. Yes, there's a big but. <laughs> uh, but you know, the same way he was critical of uh, the Pharisaical religion. Uh huh. I think he should also be prepared to be critical about that because. A Buddhist friend of mine, he's... Critical about that meaning what? That idea of spirituality. Okay. Because I have a friend who's a Buddhist, like a serious Buddhist, and I would say he is a truly holy person. But he makes this joke, and I was kind of surprised, where he makes a joke about the California Buddhist, no offense to anybody in California, but well, says, we're fairly well protected. We're here in Boise, Idaho right now, so I don't think we'll be but, attacked. Well, he lives in California, but he <laughs> talks about the California Buddhists, that people in California like to say that they're Buddhist. But he says they like to say that because it has this low level of commitment. You know, in Buddhism, you are meant to be compassionate, but it doesn't really stress going out and doing that stuff Aaron Rodgers like of building houses for the poor and stuff like that. So anyhow, he, my friend criticizes some people who just like to say that they're spiritual and Buddhist. It's because they have a low level of commitment and it sounds profound, but it's really just low commitment. It's low a little bit religion. Yeah. It's almost like his experience with church really it, in, it, a in a way. It's, it's kind, kind of the, of the same other kind of extreme thing. that mirrors it. I know. And, that, that's not me saying that. That's a, my Buddhist friend. Gotcha. And so I would say be very critical that you just don't swing from one thing to another. And there's this book that talks about the power of community, this researcher, tedious book called Bowling Alone. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> Bowling Alone? You know, society is moving to, away from community more into in, individualism. That is just me. And – uh, in this one part, like he's just crunching data. But what's the difference between people who call themselves atheists versus those who call themselves spiritual? So you have three categories. You have the religious, the spiritual but not religious, and the atheist. Most of the work that's done in food banks and volunteering in hospitals and donating blood, 
all comes from usually older religious people. The spiritual but not religious and the atheists, they give and donate at the same, almost identical same low rate. So what difference does it make in the lives of the poor or the suffering if you're religious but not spiritual versus an atheist? Nothing. The thing that really seems to make a difference is people that are seriously religious. So the sad part about that interview is that, wow, his experience of religion is pharisaical. It's all for show. If he's not critical enough, it may just swing to the other side. The thing that made him profound, uh, made seem meaningful is both community and love and action. Yep. So I would be like that little bit about well, I'm on my own spiritual path. I think that's very, very good. Just make sure it's not the same Pharisee just dressed up in in a different way, different robes. Well, maybe we'll uh, invite Aaron to come on the podcast <laughs> at some point, and we can find out where he is with his uh, with his new spiritual path. Well, I say keep being critical. I love it. All right. Well, Father Lynn, I think uh, that pretty much wraps up this episode of uh, Wrestling with God. We hope you join us next time as we continue our journey, climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth and meaning and purpose in our lives. In the meantime, if you have a question that you'd like us to grapple with, we won't take quite as long answering the questions as we did today. Anyway, if you have a question about faith, religion, and life, we'd love to hear from you. Just head over to our website, wrestlingwithgodshow.com, and click on the questions button. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm -hmm.